Well, it's, it's a privilege and honor to be here, and, and the, the, the privilege truly is mine to be, be in worship with you all. all. It's a blessing to, um, I, I said, I've only been in this role full-time now for two weeks now, uh, and uh, I transitioned from being a pastor of, of the Goddard Church on January 1, and um, and man, it's been, this is, you, you all are the second Global Methodist Church that I've been to outside of the Goddard Church, uh, just in worship with, and it's a blessing to see. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel. Thank you for your faithfulness to Jesus and his word. Um, and just thank you for being spirit-filled people who love the Lord and who are willing to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom. And... Um, and so I believe God is doing great things across the heartland. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. And I'm excited to, to be able to travel and, and to experience how God is moving and to share that with others and, and, and those different things that, that are happening. And, um, and so uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, first of all, uh, the first and most important thing, I love Jesus. Amen. Okay. And um, he, he changes lives. He's changed my life, and I believe that. And that's the first and most important thing you need to know about me. No fancy titles will change the fact that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That I'm just a brother in Christ this morning with you all. And so I'm grateful to, to be with you. Um, I'm also a husband and father. My wife, Megan, she definitely is my better half. She's prettier than I am, smarter than I am, all the things, right? Um, she's a gifted worship leader and writer as well. In fact, she's leading worship back at the Goddard Church this morning, and my family is there, so that's why that she's not here. She still has leadership in the church um, back in the Wichita area. And... Um, my children, Lily and Elijah, are 10 and 9, and uh, we're doing our best to raise them to love the Lord, too. And, um, and uh, my son, he he's, loves to pray and is a prayer warrior. And his most exciting gift this Christmas was a sport coat um, because he wants to be a pastor when he grows up, and he wanted to have a sport coat like Dad, if that you know, gives you any idea of... <laughs> um, so, but for me, you know, over the years, I, I just, the, the biggest thing, and Kent shared this this morning, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord of my life. And, and my, uh, you know, over the years, I've just prayed through what, what verse the Lord has laid on my heart. And Matthew 6.33 in the recent years has really been the heart cry of, of my heart and my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, Matthew 6.33, um, am I seeking first the kingdom? Because my heart is apart from him, I can do nothing. And so as I prepare to bring the message this morning, um, I just want to stop and pray because I need him. Uh, I, I can try to give this message from my own heart and from my own life and experience, but without him, it doesn't matter. And so let's pray and just yield to God. God, I pray this morning that your spirit would move. God, I pray that as, as we gather together, as your, your family, as brothers and sisters in you, Jesus, would, would you just grab a hold of our hearts, God, and our minds this morning, Lord? Would you remove any outside distractions, God, that are just weighing heavy on our hearts and our minds, Lord, and help us just to focus in on your word this morning and what you want to speak? 
God, I pray that, that um, all that you have given to me, the gifts and skills, Lord, I just yield them to you this morning. Would you just take um, even the message that I feel like you have brought into my heart and my mind this morning that you have asked me to give this morning, Lord, if there's anything in that not of you, would you just remove it in Jesus' name? I just ask you for that, God. I ask that you move in each of our hearts and minds. Speak to us what each of us need to hear. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you that you are here, Jesus. I pray that you would ignite a passion within our hearts this morning. And every day and every moment of our lives, may we just yield to you in all that we do. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all of this in your name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as I was praying, when Kent invited me to come, as I was praying about what, what message I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this morning, I, I just want to be honest with you. I was really struggling. Maybe it was the enemy kind of like, well, no, that's not good. That's not good. And then once I felt like I, I had all of these different messages, I'm like, man, this could be like 12 messages and it's cold out there. You don't have anywhere to go, Right. But I, 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 I was really struggling. So many things were, were going through my head. And, and, and I, I was just, but, but you know, I, I was struggling with that. And I was thinking, how are you all going to receive me? But don't worry, Kent, the better preacher Kent's coming back next week, right? There's no, Kent, there's no love in the room. It's because you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, as I, was, as I was praying, the following question, I felt like the Spirit just kept coming back, just asking the same question, and, and this question that I want to ask you this morning, what are you building your foundation on? And, and the word actually has a lot to say about this question. The word, uh, all, all over the word, it talks about foundations. What are we building our foundations upon? And, and Jesus speaks to it. In fact, if you turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you to Luke chapter 6, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to start in Luke chapter 6. And, and Luke chapter 6, if you're not familiar with it, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is, is proclaiming the Sermon on the Mount. And if we back up to just to verse 17. I'm not going to read, uh, read all of it, but um, in, in verse 17, it says that Jesus stood with the 12. Who are the 12? The 12 disciples. He stood with the 12 and a great crowd of his disciples and a multitude of other people. But I, I just want to point that out because in and, and 17, it says that he stood with that, a large group, but, but primarily I want to focus in this morning because we're going to talk about this. He was teaching primarily to his disciples. Yes, there were others on the periphery, there were others around, but he was primarily, primarily proclaiming to the people who said they followed him. And he, he's teaching different things like, you know, the Beatitudes, and I was praying, do I preach on the Beatitudes this morning? And no. And then he was preaching on woes to you, woe to you if. And I thought that would be a good one because Kent told me y'all were a bunch of sinners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to get you in trouble, Kent. All right. 
But then right after that, Jesus talks about judging others. So then I was convicted about not preaching on that. And so I just kept going. I was like, nope, none of those seem to fit. And then, and then I got to the next part. It, it, Jesus talks about good and bad fruit. But then in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, uh, Jesus says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I want to read that again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, a stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well, well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, maybe you're smarter than I am, but when I have read that passage, I haven't focused in so much. I, I've thought of it in the context of, yeah, that's right. Like, when we build our foundation on Jesus, it's going to be strong and it's going to be great. But the rest of the world out there, who they don't know Jesus, they're not building their foundation on something solid. And, you know, when the storms come, it's going to wash them out. That's how I've read that passage. Anybody else? And as I was reading through this passage, something hit me. Because Jesus is addressing the disciples, and he is specifically saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He's addressing the disciples. He's addressing people who claim to follow him. He's addressing the church. He's addressing people who, who say that they're following Jesus, that they're committed to Jesus. And he's asking them and challenging them, what are you building your foundation upon? And that just struck me because as I was looking at this, I was like, man, this is not a message that's like, what's the, wor the world uh, out there do building their foundation on something that's not important, but yeah, we've got it all together. No, he's saying, to the church, to the disciples, to followers of his, what are you building your foundation on? You see, in the scriptures, when when, when, uh, when something is repeated twice, it means it's important. So Jesus doesn't just say, when you call me Lord, he says, Lord, Lord. You know, it's, it's almost like you want to reiterate something, like my kids in the, uh, when they want to get my attention. Dad, dad, dad. Dad, after they say it enough times, I'm like, what do you want? You know, or, you know, if you're a sports fan in a basketball game and the other team does an air ball, air ball you're, you yell air ball over and over just to reiterate to them that they didn't do good. Well, in the scriptures, when something's repeated, we need to pay attention. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? So even more than just for disciples, this is... For those of us who are committed followers. Not just people who call Jesus Lord and are nominal Christians. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? Lord. And I was looking at this and, and reflecting on this. And Jesus says, so Jesus says to committed disciples, everyone who lays a foundation that wants to be strong, you know, he, he says, 
You have to dig deep and lay the foundation, and you do that in a few ways. You see, how many people, any, any construction workers in here? I see one, one hand maybe. You know, I'm not very knowledgeable in construction, although I love to build things. I've finished my basement at our house, and uh, my wife crochets little nativities, and I build little stables. And I'll just say the first few that I built fell apart because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and over time, I learned that you've got to secure things within it and, and do, those, uh, do those different things so they, they can stand up and withhold little kids, you know, tossing them across the room or, or things like that. But but with construction, there's a church right, uh, right near my house that they're adding on. And it just struck me over the last six months, I drove by every day, and it took them almost six months just to lay, uh, do all the dirt work necessary, to lay out all the foundation stuff, to lay the piping. And then the building went up in like two months after all that was done. They spent a long time. Well, and, and the foundation is important. And in, in construction, when you build skyscrapers, any construction person knows you must dig down before you go up or else it's not going to end very well. And the foundation is so important. And so as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we have to build down before we build up. I mean, how many people want to see Jesus move and do powerful things here? Amen? Yeah, as followers of Jesus, we should want that. But we have to dig down before we build up. If you want God to use you in mighty ways for his kingdom, you have to secure your foundation. Sometimes we have to repair our foundation. But we have to make sure our foundation is strong. So what are you building your foundation upon? And Jesus, he's not the only one in the scriptures who talk about foundations. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 3, I'm going to back up to, to verse 10. It may not be on the screen because I didn't mention verse 10. But he said, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Again, the question becomes, who's Paul writing to? The church. The church in Corinth, he's not writing to the world, he's writing to the church. And so Jesus tells the disciples, Paul's writing to the church. And what I want to share with you this morning is this. Building a deep foundation upon Jesus requires intimacy with and obedience to God. Building a foundation requires intimacy with and obedience to God. As one person writes, devotion to the person of Jesus is the heartbeat, joy, and power source of a Christian's life and ministry. And so Jesus says those who hear his word and does them. Paul says we have a choice to make every day. We can build our lives upon Jesus as a foundation or upon other things. 
And friends, for me, this is a new and exciting season. We've moved into the Global Methodist Church. God is doing exciting things. And, and, and God is moving and, and making disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. That's our mission. And I believe, Oakton Church, you are doing that. And yet, I want to ask you, are you ready for more? Amen. Do you want God, do you believe that God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine? Because I do. And yet he was looking for people, he's looking for men and women who are sold out and building their foundation upon him. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I don't know about you, but I love to eat, I love good food. And when something good is placed in front of me, I have a hard time saying no to it. Do we hunger and thirst so strongly for the word and for Jesus that we'll do absolutely anything to get there? You know, it's kind of like the diehard Chiefs fans out in the stadium. I hear we had one of those. And you're here. You're here. Praise God. You're not a Chiefs fan, but you went. Are you a Vikings fan too? Okay, so I'll forgive you. Not, not Kent though. <laughs> But as, you know, are we sold out for Jesus? You see, Jesus and I think Paul knew something that we often miss in the church. And that's this. Just because we are on fire for Jesus now doesn't mean that the flame can't go out. Just because we're on fire for Jesus now, you're on fire for Jesus now, doesn't mean that you can't fall into a place of apathy and for the flame to wane for Jesus and his kingdom. And I'll be honest with you, in my life, I've had seasons where, where I'm on fire for Jesus and other seasons where I've been at the bottom and just wondered, God, are you still calling me to this? You see, I, I, I was seasons where I felt empty and dry. And, and, and you see, I, I grew up in the church. I, when I was in college, I was discipled by a campus ministry. And I remember uh, the guy who was discipling me asking me this question. He said, Jordan, how are you living strategically to advance the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom of God? And that convicted me when I was in college. I was on fire for Jesus. He was moving in my life. I began praying through what that looked like. I, I felt like I had been living selfishly. I ended up uh, moving into one of the biggest uh, fraternities on campus. Uh, and, and it was one of the biggest party houses on campus. And, and I felt like God called me to move there in order to share Christ and to love people. Um, I, I was probably one of the first, um, first pledges who went through uh, pledging without having a single drink. And let me tell you, that was a challenge. I paid for it in other ways, lots of cleaning and other things and um, through pledgeship. But, but God called me to witness there. I was on fire for Jesus. I, 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 God had, had called me. I felt like I was going to go to law school and become a corporate lawyer. Obviously, that didn't work out. I'm standing here, right? God called me into the ministry. I went to seminary. I was on fire for God. And, and, and all, I'm training to be a pastor at seminary. And within the first six months, I moved from fire to apathy. 
I can't tell you exactly why. I was studying the scriptures. I was reading, but, but the, the flame started laying, and it wasn't for lack of people around me. I was at an amazing seminary, who, who, people who loved Jesus. And I remember one night, I, uh, they had a 24-7 prayer room, and I, I went at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and nobody else was in there because who else is praying at 2 a.m.? And I'm just crying out to God. I'm on the floor. I'm, 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 I'm ugly crying, okay? I'm like, God, do you even care about me? Because I don't feel your presence anymore. Has anybody been there? Am I the only one? Good, I'm not the only one. Here I am training to be a pastor. And I'm, I'm crying out to God. I felt empty. I felt dry. And... and and, and all of this, and I had seen God move, and, and, and let's be honest, the rains came, and I got knocked on my butt. I'd been doing work for God. But I'd forgotten that it wasn't by my power that I should have done the work, but only upon His power. You see, we can all start out with good intentions where we've experienced God. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. We've been on fire for God. But again, it's really easy if we're not careful to move from being on fire into apathy, to move from appetite to apathy. You see, here's the caution. What's the saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable with where you are in your walk with Jesus. Always be pursuing him. Don't think you have it all together. We need him every moment of every day. Apart from him, we can do nothing. A.W. Tozer once said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. That should challenge us. You see, how do we move from appetite to apathy in our lives? Life. Busyness. Our schedules begin to crowd out things. We begin to forget about God in the everyday. We, we, we focus on other things, uh, gold and silver perhaps, perhaps finances, perhaps stress around that. Maybe it's our jobs. We're focused on that. Our families and families are, are beyond important. But um, the busyness of schedules when you have kids, you know, especially if they're in sports, you know how busy that can get. Um, I coach my daughter's softball team, I know. Um, and, and so how does that, how does that look? All, all the things of the world world can begin to crowd out Jesus and we move from excitement to apathy. And one of the things that I think I, I just want to share this morning, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And that's this, church folk and kingdom folk are not the same thing. And it can become really easy to move from being on fire and a kingdom-focused uh, person to just being church folk who, who go through the actions but aren't deeply in love with Jesus anymore. You come to church, you go to Bible study, but you don't feel the fire from on high anymore. Let me ask it this way this morning. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate, more passionate about Jesus and his kingdom than anything else? The, the word passion, by, defined by someone much smarter than I, is a force burning within you which seizes you and a power that moves you beyond ordinary human activity. 
Passion is a fire and urgency that vision needs to remain alive and active. And passion comes from the root word passio, um, the Latin word, which literally means to suffer for. And so passion, if you're passionate for something, that means you're willing to sacrifice and suffer for it. If you're passionate for Christ and his kingdom, if you say that you're passionate for Jesus, when was the last time you made decisions for Jesus and his kingdom that hurt a little bit? Maybe it's sacrificial giving. Maybe it's sacrificing your time in greater ways. Maybe, maybe to serve for the sake of his kingdom. Maybe it's giving up your church family because God has sent you to plant a new church or, or to go out and do different things. I don't know what it is for you, but what, are you passionate about his kingdom above all else? And Jesus, I believe, it's all about Jesus and building his kingdom. And Jesus is driving this home, I believe, in Luke chapter 6. When he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not do what I tell you? And Paul, a little bit later, he's writing to Timothy. Now, how many people know Timothy in the Bible? I mean, he's, I consider another giant in the faith, right? He was discipled directly by Paul. And, and, and Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. He says, he says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So he's saying Timothy is faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. So he's saying, Timothy, you're a man of God. You're a man of faith. I'm grateful for your faith. And then he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in what? Suffering. There's that word. For the gospel, by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Do you hear it? Fan the flame, the gift of God. Wesley Duell in his book, A Blaze for God, writes, we cannot light this fire in ourselves. We cannot produce it. No man can kindle in himself that celestial fire. It must come from the live coal from the altar above. I shared that night I was in the prayer room on the floor crying. 2 a.m. and somebody walks in. I'm like, great, you know, I'm, I'm ugly crying, I'm wiping off my tears, I'm like, nobody can see me crying, and, 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 and I'm like trying not to look at this guy who walks in the prayer room, and then he speaks audibly and says, are you Jordan? And then I'm like, oh, great, look up, I have no idea who this guy is, not a clue. And I'm like trying to clear out my tears, and I say, yeah, I'm Jordan, that's me. He says, you don't know me, and I don't know you. I'm a pastor in Lexington. It was a 45-minute drive. He said, God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to drive from Lexington to Wilmore, Kentucky, and 45 minutes at 2 a.m. just to come into this prayer room and tell you that he hears you, he sees you, and he loves you. Pick yourself up. I want to pray for you. I was wrecked. 
I was wrecked. I don't know that I'd be preaching before you today if that hadn't happened. And some people say, I've shared that story before, and some people say, Jordan, that's great, but I've, I've been in those low places, and God's never spoken to me like that before. And, and, and what I want to say to you is, is, as I've reflected on this over the years, I've asked the question, uh, how many people have been in that place, and God has called his, his, his sons and daughters to go do the same thing that that man did, but because it was 2 a.m., and it was a sacrifice of sleep and a labor of love, they ignored God's call. So the question comes to me in this moment, are we so on fire with God that we're like that man that day who says, no matter what, God, I am yours. If you wake me up in the middle of the night and call me to go, to go proclaim, I don't care how weird it seems, how odd people think I look, that I'm willing to sacrifice and go do it. Friends, my, the reason I share this story is because I want you to know that if we're truly passionate about God and his kingdom, that, that we need to be intimate with God. Jesus Jesus in Luke 6 says, everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, if you want to build a solid foundation, the first thing is intimacy with God. Come to me. He says, come to me. We have to be so in tune with God and his Holy Spirit. We have to be sacrificing of our time and effort and energy to be in his word, to pursue, the, to hear his spirit, to listen to him, to seek after him. We have to be so in tune. We have to come to Jesus. That's the first thing. It's intimacy with God. And apart from that, we can do nothing. It means nothing. Are you in tune with God? And the second thing that, that Jesus says is be obedient. He who hears my word and, and does it. And so intimacy with God and being obedient. You see, I, I've shared this before too. And one of my friends says two things must die in order for God to move. Jesus and he already did that. Amen? Yeah. And our egos. It's not about us. And so, and so we, we have to understand that intimacy with God will almost always move us into a heart and passion for the lost and the hurt and the broken. Does your heart break for the lost and the broken? Friends, I, I want to ask you that. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said, You have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. And go always, not only to those that want you, but those who need you most. Friends, this morning, I just want to challenge you. Now is the time to light the fire and the flame of God. To rekindle it again in your hearts and your minds. As it was perfect from Revelation. Be neither hot, and don't be lukewarm. Either be hot or cold. But we're called to be hot in the name of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the kingdom. For the sake of the gospel. Are you being obedient? Are you pressing in? Because disciples of Jesus Christ are people. People who move from receiving from the ministry of the church to being on mission and fulfilling the mission of the church. Are you ready? Are you ready to suffer for Jesus, to sacrifice, to, to turn to him and be passionate?
passionate for him and seek his kingdom first because anything that we build our foundation on other than that will not last. And let me just say, uh, Jesus has overcome. Satan is alive and active, but Jesus has overcome. Amen? But that doesn't mean that Satan won't attack. And when Satan attacks, we have to have that firm foundation so we're not knocked on our butts. And we're also called to be obedient to help those who have been knocked on their butts and who need him. So I want to ask you, how deep and how strong is your foundation right now? And what are you passionate about? And part of intimacy is surrender. God cares about you. He wants to move in your life. And I know I'm going over on time. But I just, I believe there are those here who maybe you are on fire for God. Praise God. But Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Press into him. Continue to be obedient. Paul's writing to Timothy, fan the flame of God that came with the laying on of hands, the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're on fire, don't let that flame go out because let me remind you, your strength and your power is not the flame. The Holy Spirit is the flame. And if you start to do things on your own power and your own strength, that flame's gonna dwindle down. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a cute little ember Christian. I want to be one who's on fire for Jesus. And so if you're passionate for him and his kingdom, praise God. But keep pressing in. Keep being obedient. Keep sacrificing. Keep surrendering. Keep giving all that you have to him because he is everything and he deserves our praise and honor and glory. But maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've moved from appetite to apathy. Maybe you, the, the, the flame has gone down and, and you, you, you just, you're like, God, um, I, I want to be on fire again for you and your kingdom And Jesus says, if you want that, then press into me. If you want that, then be obedient to me. God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, but we have to take that first step. You know, it's like Peter stepping out of the boat in obedience, and he began to walk, and then he took his eyes off Jesus. You know that story? And he began to sink, and Jesus said, focus back on me. If that's you, if you've moved from appetite to apathy, focus back in on him. Be obedient to the things he's calling you to. But Maybe you're, you were like me that day and, and, and maybe people know it. Maybe they don't. Maybe you've been crying out to God. Do you even care about me, God? Do you even care? Are you there, Jesus? And if that's you, I just want to say to you this morning that yes, he is there and he loves you and he cares about you and you matter to him and he wants to use you in mighty ways for the sake of his kingdom and to reach and to seek and save the lost. He wants to bring healing and power in your lives. He wants to heal those broken and deep wounds within your hearts and within your minds. He cares so much about you. And maybe you just need to hear that this morning. And maybe it's just an act of surrender this morning. And friends, maybe you're in a place you're on fire. And he's told you to go tell somebody that. That Jesus loves them. And you're like, God, 
They don't know me. Or maybe they do know me. And they think I'll, I'll, you know, they, they're going to think I'm one of those weird Christians. So, let's be weird for Jesus. Amen? Are we witnessing boldly? But no matter where you're at this morning, Jesus invites you to come. He says, intimacy with him and surrender. And so I just want to invite you this morning. I'm going to pray for us in just a second here. But I want to invite you, if you're on fire for God, I want you to pray that God would help you not forsake him and turn away from him. That God would help you keep the flame burning brightly for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel. And so your act of surrender and obedience this morning is to come to the Lord and pray for that. Maybe you've moved into apathy and you need God to reignite the flame. And, and you're like, God, I, 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 I've, I confess that I've fallen into apathy, that I'm not giving my all. And, and maybe your act of obedience this morning is to come to the altar and just to pray, God, reignite the flame within me because I need that and I want that. And maybe you're at the end of yourself and you need somebody just to encourage you and pray for you. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'm sure Kent would as well and others. But I'm going to pray no matter where you're at. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Jesus is here. The altar is open. And you can bow your head and pretend to be super spiritual and stay in your seats if you want to. But I just want to challenge you as an act of surrender to come forward. Not for my sake, not to care what other people think about you, but to meet Jesus. To say, Jesus, I'm here. And you may not feel it within your heart. You may be in a dark and hard place, or you may have moved to apathy, and you're like, I don't know what this means, Jesus, but I'm just here. Jesus will honor your obedience if you come. Jesus will move. Because he changes everything. And so I'm going to pray and the worship team will lead. And if, if you feel called to just come meet with Jesus, come meet with him this morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, your word says... Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? And we confess that we have not been obedient. There are people out there hurting and broken who are in need of your love and your grace, God. And, and let's be honest, sometimes we've been selfish and not wanted to be obedient. Sometimes we just haven't been in tune with your voice because we're, we've been busy pursuing other things or, or doing ministry by our own power, God. And, and this morning, Lord, we just lay it all down. We need you. We need you above all else. We can do nothing apart from you, Jesus. And so I pray this morning... Lord, for those who are on fire for you, would you just help them to continue to press into you and be obedient to you? Would you help them to hear your voice and to be obedient and to take your kingdom to the lost and the hurting and the broken? But God, I also pray for those who have moved into apathy or maybe even beyond that or at the bottom of the barrel, God, and just feel empty and lost right now. Don't feel your presence. God, would you move in their hearts and their minds? Would you fan the flame? from the gift of God that you have given in their lives.
lives, Jesus, would you reignite a fire and passion within our hearts and our minds and our souls? We need you, Jesus. And Jesus, your word says, if we're obedient, you will meet us. So this morning, may we be obedient and just come to the altar to meet you. And would you move? We just invite your spirit and your presence to move. Jesus, we need you. We thank you that your spirit is here. You are so good. Your loving kindness and faithfulness never fails. And you're so sweet and kind to meet us here this morning. And so come. Come, Holy Spirit. And as an act of surrender and obedience, Lord, we just, we come to you this morning. Ignite the fire. Amen.